Good morning and welcome to San Diego First Church. My name is Matt Wilson. I'm one of the pastors on staff and it is so good to be with you this morning. We gather together as a church to do one thing and that is to lift up Christ. To be formed and shaped by Jesus. And so today as we worship, certainly there are candle tables off to the side for you to pray at as a, as a representation of our prayers. But we come to worship Jesus. Uh, coming as you are in whatever place and time, feelings and emotions that you might bring into this space. Uh, and as we begin to worship, um, I'd like to invite M Valerie. I'm not sure where Valerie is at. Yes, Valerie, there you are. As Valerie comes up to read Psalm 121, let us prepare our hearts, minds, and bodies for worship. Good morning. Psalm 121, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will not slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everybody. If we're able to, let's stand together and approach our God, our creator. You're with us, Lord. amongst us. show the results of our salvation, the freedom that we live in Christ as we come before the Lord who is working in us, who is with us. Oh, let us be led by your spirit, Lord. We 
give you all that we have and all that we are. We give you our faith. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you work it. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop. Oh, sing to the faithful God. Even when I don't see it, you work it. Even when I don't feel it, you work it. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop. Oh, lift your voice. Wait.
You this I hope my shepherd will defend me through the deepest valley he take a seat for a moment. Let us offer ourselves before the Lord together in prayer. Take breaths to center your hearts and your minds on Jesus and on what God has for you. to present an honest version of yourself before God. Lord, you do not desire perfection in our standards, but what you want from us is our broken spirits, is the sacrifice that you ask for. May we soften our hearts Would we put down our barriers and our boundaries that block you and block others that may be holding light and darkness? And may we humbly come before you. Some of our hearts will cry, save me. Some of our hearts will cry, restore me. And others will cry, teach me. God, we are thankful that you listen to each of those cries in each of us. And that you promise through Jesus and the spirit that has been gifted to us that you will remain with us. In our deep pain, in our great joy. We we are thankful for your faithfulness in our lives, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to be singing a new song this morning, and it really captures on that theme of offering ourselves humbly and the scripture of God desiring a broken spirit. And I think in a world in which we live in currently, a lot of things require perfectionism in our eyes for us to achieve relationships, for us to achieve what we want. And it's so beautiful for the relationship that we want to achieve in Christ. What is required is a broken spirit. So would you sit with that invitation that Christ has for you today? We'll be singing a song that has a really easy chorus, but the verses might be a little tough to catch on to in the beginning. So I don't want to challenge you to learn this the first time, but what I'd really love to challenge you with is just sitting and letting these words be sung over you today. The chorus goes like this. And I will make room for you to do whatever you want to to do whatever you want to and I will make room for you I will make 
trust with our humble hearts before God. Let us offer ourselves in spirit and in truth to the creator and maker of all things who is with us and in us. be grateful that we get to journey alongside each other in this life. Let us take a moment to be thankful for the people on the left and on our right, our family members, maybe even the people that you don't know, the people that are coming together collectively as a church. And let us acknowledge the life and the light of Christ in us and pass that light and life to those around you. You may go and pass the peace of Christ. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's on. There we go. Good morning, everybody. So great to be with you all this Sunday. Go ahead and say your last hello, goodbye, talk to you later. Find your way back to your seat. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Tyler. I'm the director of communications here at San Diego First Church. And it's such a joy, as always, to be with you this Sunday as we gather together uh, for worship. This is the point in our service where we're able to pray out loud together over our kids and our teens as we dismiss them off to children's church and teen Bible study that takes place during this hour. Um, and we dismiss them by reading this prayer out loud from Philippians um, over them as they exit. And so if you'll join me in reading this out loud. This is my prayer for you, our children, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight 
so that you may be able to discern what is best. May you be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. See you, kids. See you, teens. This is also the point in our service where I get the opportunity to share with you about some of the things going on in the life of our church. Uh, but first off, as usual, um, on the front of your bulletin, as well as on the side behind me, there's a QR code for our online check-in form. Uh, this is, is a simple QR code. You can hold your smartphone camera over it. Um, a link will pop up to take you to a short Google form. This is an easy place to leave your name, contact info, if you want to get added or make sure that you're added to our weekly uh, church newsletter. Those send out via email every Friday afternoon, um, as well as leave any prayer requests or information that you want our church staff to know. We review those every week, um, get to pray over your prayer requests, and if you, if you choose so, we'll also share those in our newsletter with the community so we can pray for you together. So this is a, a great form for you to use to contact the church office for anything that you might want to communicate with us. Uh, so we hope you'll take the time before you leave today to scan that QR code and go ahead and fill out that form for us. Uh, we have a couple events and ongoing programs happening around the church that I want to make sure you all know about. The first is our Wednesday night Adult You Season of Prayer series that just kicked off. These, uh, this series lasts for the six weeks of Lent, and so uh, we meet over in the fireside area of the Brown Chapel foyer. Um, and Season of Prayer is basically this campaign for us to expand and contemplate the notion of what prayer looks like during the Lenten season. And so each Wednesday, a different member of the community leads this session from 6 to 8.30, or 6.30 to 8, excuse me, um, about a different topic or type of prayer. And so uh, if you want to come plug in on Wednesday nights, we serve dinner out here in the Friendship Plaza, and then we have all the different programming for kids, for teens, and then for adults. We hope during this Lenten season you'll come and plug into our season of prayer classes. They're always a super insightful and just a really, really uh, great conversation about prayer. We also have, for our men's ministry, our croquet tournament coming up, second annual croquet tournament led by Pastor D happening at Shelter Island. Uh, if you want to go, either if you know how to play croquet, super great for you. Uh, I did not know until Pastor D coached me, but he's a very great teacher, and so also a chance for you to go and learn how to play croquet with Pastor D. So make sure you mark your calendars and you can email or talk to Pastor D for some more info about that event. Uh, we also have coming up in March our, our next Parents' Night Out where uh, we'll be able to have some childcare and dinner provided for kids here at church. And parents, you get to have the night off. Go out, enjoy some time together. Uh, Pre-registration is required for this event, so make sure you're looking either on our website or in the, the weekly email for the link to register for that. Uh, but please sign your kids up, enjoy a night out together, and we'll take care of the kids. Uh, don't worry about it. We, we've got some good childcare around here, so they'll have a good time with us. Um, and then the next day, that Saturday, March 25th, save the date for our church service day. Uh, we do a couple of these every year, and uh, for this service day in particular, we'll be getting together and packing hygiene kits for our local ministry partners uh, known as Loaves and Fishes down in OB. And so uh, if you also in advance of that or on that day want to bring with you some of these supplies like combs, toothbrushes, toothpaste, those will all get packed into little Ziplocs uh, for hygiene kits, and then we'll take those all down to, OB, uh, to Loaves and Fishes in OB so they can distribute that to our, our unhoused neighbors in our community. So it's a really great, great way for us to get together. It's a short time commitment. Come from 10 a.m. to noon, we'll pack a bunch of those kits and be able to distribute those to our community. And then also for our women's ministry, last announcement here, uh, save the date for our spring tea happening on April 15th. Uh, registration for that is also now open. You can find the link to that on our website as well as in the email. We have a special guest speaker. The Ellipse will be transformed into a wonderful space just to get together, uh, enjoy tea and treats, and for all of our ladies to just have some fellowship as well as some reflection and devotional time together. So be sure to save the date for that and go ahead and sign up online if you haven't already. At this point, I'm going to turn it over to our sanctuary choir to continue to lead us in worship this morning.
morning. Our New Testament reading this morning comes from John chapter 3, conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus, this wonderful conflicted character in the New Testament, torn between his membership in the Sanhedrin and his new fascination with Jesus, and we get to listen in on the conversation. John chapter 3. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Russ. Good morning to everybody. I, um, along with all the others, just want to say good morning and great to be with you. We're going to dig a little bit deeper into this passage of John chapter 3. It contains, as you heard toward the end of the reading, uh, probably the most familiar um, reference uh, in the Christian faith journey, particularly if you go to major sporting events and see people who raise signs up, John 3.16. Um, I half thought that it might be great to have somebody sitting over here through the whole sermon just holding a <laughs> sign like that, but right in camera angle view, strategically placed. Just imagine it. It's probably, wa probably wise that I didn't do that. Um, I, I would love, if I could, to um, provide just a little bit more of the context. Russ, thanks for giving us a little bit of the piece of um, Nicodemus's vocational setting and his intrigue uh, that he had toward Jesus, but also the position that he held. Let me talk as well about the literary context here, just the sequence of events. I mean, you can look on your smartphone at the headings of various topics that lead up to this or in your Bible. You'll see that uh, Jesus's ministry, at least in John's gospel, shows some things happening that lead up to this. Um, the changing of the water into wine at the marriage in Cana. That takes place just in a previous chapter. There is the clearing of the temple that happens and then the questioning that is pretty intense of the religious leaders about what Jesus said about destroy this temple and I'll raise it up again. And their comment about what? It took us over 40 years to build this thing. You mean you'll raise it up again in three days and the confusion that kind of surrounds some of that and then into that we have Nicodemus who member of the Sanhedrin a Pharisee that comes to Jesus and engages Jesus in a conversation and we get to listen in on what takes place so that's kind of the 
literary lead up to this. I also think it's probably valuable to talk about the um, author context of this. As with all of the Gospels, we have an interplay, an interplay between um, the way by which an author presents the good news, in this case, John, and the specific things that John chooses to include in his presentation of the good news to his audience. We happen to be his audience this morning, not the original audience to whom it was intended, but maybe ultimately we are part of that original audience in terms of the big scheme of things. But John had a perspective, um, a community of which he was a part, and how that community was viewed by others, both in a religious context, but also in relationship to Rome. And so John is writing in the midst of particular circumstances, and John's viewpoint comes out in his writings. And so it's probably valuable to recognize at least what we can pick up on, on some of John's worldview the way in which he sees the spirit world and the world in which we operate day in, day out. There's a sense in which John has these compartmentalized view of how things operate. So for John, we hear in the opening chapter of John, it begins much like the book of Genesis begins. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it talks about creation. And all things were created by him, and without him is not anything made that has been made. And then it gets into this contrast that John does over and over again. In him was life, and the life was the light of the world. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness comprehends it not. This contrast between light and dark John carries through many portions of his writing. He also carries through an interesting notion, and it would be wonderful to interview John and have him expand and expound on it. All we have are some of the bits and pieces of his writing, but he speaks about a world that is primarily in darkness and a heavenly realm a second story of creation, if you will, that is bathed in light. And the one who has come from those heavenlies to the earth is this one, Jesus. And Jesus returns to heaven, makes intercession on our behalf. And there is the way in which heaven comes to earth and the darkness gets exposed to the light. So not only the contrast between the light and the dark, but the heavens and the earth. And it's all God's creation. But God has intentionally come to redeem. And through Christ, brings light into the world. So with that context of how we get to this part in the storyline, and a little bit of understanding into the author's journey, we now listen to the dialogue that happens between Jesus and Nicodemus. As I did in the First Impressions podcast, and if you're not part of that, I invite you to tune in leading up to Sunday with some of the discussion that takes place. I jumped right to the end of our reading just because it caught my attention. M my attention was drawn to not John 3.16, but John 3.17. And I don't know if it resonates with you, but that 17th verse says that God did not send his son to condemn the world, but to rescue or redeem the world. I, I'm afraid that far too often we have not adequately acknowledged how often we as a church have approached everything through a lens of condemnation. Here's what you've done wrong. Here's what is wrong. Here's how you screwed up. Here's how you've messed up. Here's what's wrong about how you're living. Here are the rules by which you should be living. 
And if you don't live by these rules, bad news for you. A message of condemnation. It comes in a lot of forms and it comes cloaked in a lot of beautiful religious languages and practices. But it, if it remains, the way by which we lead with our words or our actions, then we have missed the good news. And I have a tough time getting to the good news when the veil that is in front of it is a veil of condemnation. Last week, we talked about confession out of Psalm 32. I just have continued to live in that beautiful psalm. But the weightedness that comes to us where our strength gets sapped like the summer sun beating down on us, when we're under the weight of condemnation. The invitation last week and this week is an invitation to the dance of the forgiven. Christ did not come so that we would hear this barrage of condemnation in our life. All that does is often lead us to frustration, pain, hurt, anger. And a point where we decide, you know what? A life is just a lot more enjoyable without the church. And if this resonates with you, I'm sorry. The church needs to confess for many things. And one of those is a posture of condemnation as opposed to a celebration of forgiveness. And the invitation to the dance of the forgiven is not then turn around and forget what it feels like to be forgiven and pounce on others for their inability to get it or their lack of insight or their despicable ways. The taste of grace is what's compelling. Self-righteousness is bitter and toxic. God-imposed grace righteousness? Now that's a feast. That changes what the dinner table looks like. Have you ever gone to a dinner that just makes you really nervous? Just not sure how the conversation's going to go? I mean, you know how the conversation's gone before with some people? You got invited, you said yes again before you realized it, or somebody said yes for you, and... It just, you're going, but you're just not certain. I just want to say, that's how a lot of people come to church. I'm going to a table and I don't know. I've been to that table before. You know what it's like to go to a table that you can't wait to get to? People that you've not been with for a while and you're just longing for the conversation because you know what it's going to be like. You want to you be there. You, you're hoping that they're okay if you stay longer than you should stay. I, I remember coming out here one time to San Diego um, and I was visiting by myself for some things this is before I came here uh, to work. And I was invited over to Dean and Marsha Nelson's house, one of the very few people I knew in San Diego at the time. And uh, they invited me over, had a meal. We started talking. It was so enjoyable. I, I think I stayed like till 1145. <laughs> yeah, you're shaking your head. Worst guest, never invite him over. <laughs> yeah. I told my wife what a great time, how wonderful it was on the phone. 
And then I mentioned how late I stayed. She said, you what? <laughs> oh, D, you have to apologize. That was so overboard. It still rings in my head these decades later. But it was one of those moments where I didn't want the conversation to end. I didn't want the evening to end. The community of faith, <laughs> the dance of the forgiven, the feast of those who have received grace ought to be that kind of a conversation that leads you into a place where you just, you don't want to get up. You, you want your spirit to drink in the life-giving peace of God dwelling among us. Oh, the church might be that. That you don't want to finish passing the peace of Christ. Yeah, I know we need to get to some of the things that need to be done, but hold on a second. I don't want to find my seat yet. And then I know that for others, that's the most awkward part of the whole service. I get that but that there's something about gathering together where condemnation just begins to fall away and grace begins to be the fragrance in the air. You smell that? It's the wonderful fragrance of Christ. You know, that's the invitation in Scripture that we are to be the fragrance of Christ. So that's what I want to highlight as we get into the rest of the story. And the rest of the story I probably won't dwell quite that long. Sorry, that's a long opening point. But could we as a church confess that we've not always done it well? And sometimes we've done it badly. And can we rise to the challenge to do it well, to be the good news, to be those who just invite into the spaces that we don't fully understand, but we recognize as the spirits work among us, I don't know where this will take you or what it means for your journey. I just want you to know if I can help in any way. I know for one thing I'm going to learn from you be a joy to learn together. So what about Nicodemus? Title of this message, I think it's there. Yeah, the Nicodemus in us. I I'd like you to put yourself into the Nicodemus portion of the story and say, where do I fit in his storyline? Maybe you're part of the ruling council. I don't know, maybe not. Maybe you're a Pharisee. Maybe not. Maybe you're curious. Maybe. Here's what I find is interesting about Nicodemus. I don't know why they chose to highlight this, but John did. John said he came at night. He came under the cover of darkness. There's something that resonates with me about that. I'm not sure exactly why, except I believe it's profoundly important to be aware of the shadows in our life and what those shadows have to teach us. I don't know how Jesus happened to get there, but I love that he met Nicodemus during the dark hours. I love that that's where Jesus is. It's not where Jesus always is, but in this story, it's where Jesus is. And I need God in my shadow side. In the portion of my journey where I'm hesitant for anybody else to see for whatever reason, because that seems to be part of Nicodemus's motivation. I mean, part of the ruling class, uh, the council, part of the Sanhedrin, a, a Pharisee, he's not sure he wants anybody to see that he's having a conversation with what appears to be a revolutionary figure that may be throwing things upside down because the clearing of the temple just took place. 
he had this huge confrontation and Nicodemus is really not taken with the huge confrontation. I just want to know more. I know you're of God. It's just thrown me off. I'm all mixed up inside now because I recognize in you some things that resonate with me, but then there are other things that go against what I thought I knew. So, what do we do? I think that is where our spiritual journey puts down roots like it can't any place else. That tension of being drawn to something that makes sense inwardly but poses problems outwardly. Jesus says, don't you know, you, you really need to be born from above. So remember this John contrast. This born from the spiritual realm. That which is above what we are facing day in, day out. There is a darkness or wickedness is referenced by John at times that is all around but the spirit gives birth to something that gives us the strength to stand in the midst of that with a grace and a perspective that kind of changes everything and Jesus is inviting Nicodemus and Nicodemus says you know I know my stuff pretty well but I'm not getting a thing you're saying I mean I've been raised on this stuff I've been studying it and Jesus says yeah you're one of the big-time teachers like you're a big deal <laughs> that's what Jesus says but you're not getting it, are you, at all? You're not getting this, but I want to invite you, in spite of not getting it, to receive it. And in receiving the transformation that will then come, ah, that's what happens when you're born of the Spirit the light begins to come in the midst of all that you're feeling is dark. Darkness is that space where I can't see that far ahead of me. I sometimes use that to my advantage. I don't know why this has come back to me, but once when I was a youth pastor, had a youth group that I took up to a location that I grew up in. It was a campground that was two states away from where I was a youth pastor, but I took this group of, I don't know, about uh, 30 teens to um, a campgrounds with all kinds of adventures that we had to do, but I also knew that my youth group had a whole lot of feistiness in them, and I was going to have to outsmart my youth group at several turns in order to maintain some semblance of... Um, appropriateness through the course of these two nights and um, I wanted to give them enough freedom but also provide for their safety but also respect others that lived up in that area because it wasn't an isolated campgrounds and so because I knew the ground so well I knew how to get on every roof of the camp buildings I knew how to get into corners where nobody could be seen it just was the grounds I grew up on as a kid so I remember one night um, it was time for lights out, go to the cabins, which they did, but I knew that that just meant go to the cabins until D disappears and the other leaders disappear. So instead of going to my cabin, I climbed up on one of the roofs that I knew had strategic view of all of the cabins and waited for the inevitable as they came out, and I let them mess around for a little while, and then I said, time to get back to your cabins. 
And I overheard them in the dark because they couldn't see me go, where is he? <laughs> they make their way back to the cabins. About 20 minutes passes, come out again, and I had changed my hiding spot to know right where I thought they would go next. And I was in a dark corner between two buildings, same thing. They went a different direction, thinking that they would not run into where they heard the voice before. And as soon as they came out, the building they'd gone into to explore, I said, it's getting late, time to go back to your cabins. And they were startled and still couldn't find me. It was this wonderful triumphant moment that was the chatter on the bus the next day as I just didn't say a word and went on. Where is he all the time? I feel like coming in the darkness depicts for us not seeing the end of the storyline. I, I can't see it all, God. I know I'm drawn to you. I can't see the end of these circumstances. I can't see the end of these moments. I can't see the end of the particular pathway that I've taken. And Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, you're in the darkness. There's an invitation to step into the light. But even stepping into the light is not always going to give you every answer that you're needing. Being born from above means an act of trust. It's an invitation to a table, certainly it is, but it's an invitation to a table of a conversation that you don't know how it ends. Now Jesus is inviting Nicodemus into a storyline that ultimately is a story about reconciliation, redemption, rescue, God's work, that God is bringing about that part of the story we know. Often what we struggle with over and over again is, yeah, but what does tomorrow look like? And I feel like Jesus is inviting Nicodemus in the darkness to be born renewed with a commitment to trust. I feel like the Nicodemus in me is, I trust when I have it all figured out. I trust when I get where this is going. I trust when you show me the end in mind. The invitation is, I'm inviting you to the dance of trust, as well as the dance of forgiveness. I'm inviting you to the song where you don't know the final chorus. I'm inviting you into a place where with abandon you give yourself to the work of God in you in this world and just watch what happens. Do you have to know it all? Because if you do, you're going to be sorely disappointed regardless of whether you trust in God or not. Because often what you think you know gets tripped up by something you never dreamed. But if we live in a space of trust, it's, okay, God, surprise me. And when the surprises aren't exactly as I had hoped, I hope you can trust me as much as I'm saying I trust you right now. Work in me, Lord, so that I'm trustworthy. I'm convinced you are. an invitation to a wonderful con conversation that I think if you engage, you'll hope the conversation never ends. And 11.45 at night will be early in the evening with all you want to learn and how you want to experience the spirit and grace of God who came not to condemn, but to rescue, to redeem, and to invite you into the tomorrow you don't know and it's okay you don't know it. This morning we looked a little bit more at the Genesis story of the calling of Abram. And we always talk about the great faith of Abram who followed, Jesus, who followed God's calling to the promised land. What we often don't pay attention to is the end of chapter 11 before you get that beautiful chapter 12 where Abram was already on his way to Canaan. 
his father had taken him and others, and they were on their way, but got stopped, and they settled. And God says to Abram, let's finish this journey together. It's the piece that we don't realize God was at work long before Abram knew God was at work. And I want to say to you that Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, God has been at work long before you see evidence of God's handiwork. Let me offer a prayer for us. Lord God, I thank you this morning for your love toward us. May you hear our prayer this morning. That is what the choir sang. Arise, my soul, arise. There is something about your words, Lord, that ignites something within our soul. And so, O oh Lord, help us to trust that stirring within. That piece of our journey that wants the courage to step into the next portion of the unknown. And Lord, what holds us back sometimes is our need to know, our need to know, our need to know. That seems like it's never satiated. But into the dark shadows of our life where it seems difficult to see beyond the next step. Give us the courage to simply take that step. Give us the grace to sense your forgiveness for any misstep before even a misstep happens. For we live in the realm of your forgiveness. And you've invited us to hold your hand as we step into the night. Lord, may the table that's offered in this place, the table of grace, the table of fellowship, be a table with a pleasing taste, a table where we long to dwell because of the conversation that reminds us of our being loved, of our being forgiven, of our being trusted, the hope within us. May we taste and drink of your goodness. And for that, we thank you, Lord. Amen. This morning, I invite you to participate with us in communion. The ushers are going to come, and they will stand across the front and if you would like to participate, we invite you to come forward to take the elements, take them back to your seat so that we might partake together. Just a little packet of a piece of bread and a little bit of juice, it becomes for us symbolic of that larger notion of fellowship, becomes powerful for us in recognizing that this is the gift of God to us. You don't need to be a member of this church. It's also okay if you choose not to participate this morning. But I invite you to allow these moments and as the strings play to be a time of reflection of God meeting you in those dark places this morning because that's where Jesus shows up. I invite the service to come. Thank you. What a beautiful song, so appropriate for the Lenten season. the night Christ was betrayed. He offered these elements and ever the teacher. He offered them bread. Offered them the cup. This became the moment where he is, was able to proclaim to them, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you. The blood of the new covenant. So may God, may God sanctify these elements for us this morning that they may be for us the grace and mercy of our Lord given for us at the table of grace. So take, eat the bread.
the cup given for our salvation. O Lord God, this practice that teaches us, reminds us, provides for us a redemption, a rescue, an invitation to the table. And as we know from Scripture, Lord, you invited them all to the table, not to condemn, but to offer grace. And so this morning, teach us how to put our trust in that truth, a trust that allows us to step into the darkness and through the darkness because we have learned to trust that voice within that has taken up residence in our heart where you've been at work long before we saw your handiwork and you invite us to join with you in partnership for what remains on this journey of faith. Help us in this community of faith to be a place that lives out the good news for you came not to condemn but to redeem. So teach us the songs of redemption. Teach us the way of grace and help us to embody the truth of peace. And may that be the fragrance that is taken in when we enter this place with each other and with you at the center of it all. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I invite you to stand for a closing benediction. I will ask again, there is no rush or no obligation, but boy, was it a help last week when you moved the carpet squares to the front, stacked the chairs off to the side about um, 10 deep would be wonderful, higher than that, and they'll tip over shorter than that, and I restack them. So however that works for you. But also, go get your kids first. Um, you don't need to work in here of that, or so fellowship first. Um, it will get done. Don't worry about that. Lord, will you watch over us and pour over us? And for these, your people, fill them with all of your grace, your goodness. May they, in the midst of the dark moments of life, recognize that you are there. And in the darkness, may they not be overwhelmed with fear, but with peace. And as blessings come and are poured out on all of us, may you, O oh church,